Powered by Riverside. Welcome to our podcast, Murder, Mystery, and Mayhem, Laced with Morality, where all authors and experts are invited to share, learn, and together make this a better world where light pierces through the darkness with the spoken and written word. Well, I'm excited about our guest today. I know I always say that, but I really mean it. And John and I, this is the second time we get to hang out this week where he was on another show that I happened to co-host. And boy, if you don't you don't listen to this one, you got to check it out. It's called Open Mic, and it's hosted by Word Weavers International. Just hop on Word Weavers International and check out all the things. You do not have to be a member, although I do, I do advise you to be a member of that organization. In order to listen to our live podcast, it is amazing. It's only once a month and our lineup is incredible. And John happened to be there. And now I get to hang out with John all over again. So my guest is John Rabins or Rabins. Please tell me. I always, I always mess it up sometimes. You had it right the first time. It's what am Rabin. I supposed to say, John? It's Rabins. Rabins, sorry. I, yes. Yeah, so I had the honor of meeting him through Word Weavers International. And I want to just tell you a little bit about my new author friend, um, following graduation from the USAF Academy, he served 25 years in the U.S. Air Force. And during his career, he earned a Ph.D. in lasers and optics, which he used in cutting-edge Air Force research programs. Following his military career, he earned his Doctor of Optometry degree at the New England College of Optometry in Boston, M.A., he owned Optum Eyes, a family practice clinic in Colorado Springs, until his retirement last year. He's married to Nancy Powell. He has two sons, Michael and Nathan. So welcome, John. I am so grateful to have you in this space. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. And, you know, we do want to shout out the lovely Eva Marie Everson, right? Because you, we were talking behind the scenes that... Um, because I always like to, to um, acknowledge people's agents and their publicists. And you said, no, I don't have a publicist, but man, I have someone who's really in my corner and you, you, you were raving to me about Eva. Any, anything that you'd like to say about having someone like that in your corner? Well, I feel like I don't deserve it, but she has somehow taken me on as a project and uh, <laughs> I, I welcome all of her help. She is really moving me in the right direction. And so I'm just excited to call her my friend. She she is one who makes me feel like her best friend. I don't know how she does it, but she does. Oh, man. Well, that's a good person to have in, in your corner. For those of you who don't know, she is the CEO of Word Weavers International, one of the founding um, members. Um, so other than Eva and, of course, me, um, are there any authors that you are friends with and how do any of them <laughs> help you become a better author? Well, I would say Jerry White is probably my big, uh, biggest supporter here locally. Jerry White was uh, my astronautics professor at the Air Force Academy. He retired as a two-star general, uh, went on uh, wow. to uh, – 
to head up uh, 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 Navigators International. And, and right now he is the president emeritus of Navigators International. And uh, he was a patient oh, of mine my- in my optometry clinic for a number of years. And, uh, and so we, he, he's really been a, a positive force in my life in terms of my writing. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, so in, in some ways we have similar paths. Well, first of all, should I be calling you doctor? You can, if you want, I, I it's, it's, it's not my identity today. Uh, the book I wrote has to do with identity. So I'm learning to shed certain identities. I was a Colonel in the air force. Uh, it, it, yeah. it surprises me when someone even today calls me Colonel or sir. Um, yeah. oh, by the way, I do know another, author that you know you've heard of okay. this man his name is jerry uh-huh. jenkins yes okay yeah, we go, yes. We, okay now we go to church together okay he goes to my church but i've never really seen him at church it's a big church but i know he goes there so that's my claim to fame locally hmm. did, did that make sense I say you said which which church did you say you go to? Oh, oh we go to a, a large. Uh, it's a a five campus church called Woodman Valley Chapel in Colorado Springs, and uh, so Jerry oh, he, wow. he happens to live in the Black Forest as I do, so he goes to the same service that I do. But it's a big church. I don't see him. Oh my, yeah. Okay, so you don't see him, but you can say that I go to church. I can with say Jerry I go Jenkins. to church That's with him. Super yeah. Fun. There you go. If you want to drop names, that's a good one to drop. <laughs> I had the honor of meeting him in person at Right to Publish in um, in Wheaton, and I found him to be so down to earth and approachable. Mm-hmm. And I and he was re- really very transparent in his speaking. You know, when you build someone up to be this person that they're not. I've been reading him since I was a kid, you know, um, and I shared with him that it, obviously this story was had been repeated probably a million times from his fans. But I was like, you know, your books, your Left Behind series, like scared me, scared me straight. My brother and I, we got our act together after reading the, those books, you mm-hmm. know, so he, he has a good person to know. So in terms of your your book, if. If you could just tell us a little bit about this book, I know it it was um, especially from what you shared at Open Mic. It that was a labor of love, and I don't know if if a book like that would stand on its own, or if you're trying to build a body of work with connections between each book. So, do you have a book that would be coming out that's connected to that one? Um, no, I don't have one c- coming out that's connected, but I have books coming out that are connected. Uh, to answer your question, the, the okay. book uh, yeah. that uh, I wrote and was published in 2020 is called Defined by Fire. Uh, it's subtitled mm. Seven Life-Changing Lessons from Devastating Tragedy. Uh, as I shared on Tuesday night, my mm. wife, Nancy, and I lost a very large uh, home in the middle of the Black Forest on five acres um, on uh, June 11th, mm. 2013. Uh, we lost all of our property uh, associated with that home. 
We lost another property around the corner from that home, which is like a quarter of a mile away on 11 acres, nine buildings. They were all old, but they represented a lot of historicity. There was even a one-room church that uh, Holiness Pastor in the late 1800s and early 1900s uh, used uh, for his Mm -hmm. uh, his purposes. and that was flattened. And then additionally, as I mentioned Tuesday night, uh, my father in California died the very same day. It, it, it was one of those, besides that, Mrs. Lincoln, how did you like the play kind of moments? You know, it was just too much to wrap my arms around, but it certainly made me ripe for receiving a message from God that ended up being this book seven years later. And, and basically it's, uh, wow. it's a book of lessons on who I am in Christ. Um, uh, really mm-hmm. quickly, chapter one, I'm not defined by um, uh, by my possessions, what I own. I'm defined by him who owns me. Um, chapter yeah. two, I'm not defined by what I've done, my mm-hmm. performance. I'm defined by uh, what he's done on the cross. Chapter three, mm-hmm. I'm not defined by my yeah. tragedies or dark places. Uh, I'm defined by him who carries me through my tragedies and is the light in the dark. Uh, Four and five have to do with thinking. Mm -hmm. I'm not defined by what I think. My thinking is so messed up. I'm defined by what he thinks. And that's why he wants us in the word to understand what is already true about our lives so that we can grab onto it and Mm -hmm. walk in that instead of asking every day, you know, uh, asking for something that he's already given me. Chapter five, I'm not defined by what others think. Or I like to say what I impute them Mm. to think. Sometimes I think they think things about me that are simply not true. So I'm learning to confront in love (laughs) when I think I've offended somebody now. Prepared prepared for the possible rejection. But at least uh, it restores relationships. Chapter six is a big one. I'm not defined by what I control or what I think I control. Because the fact of the matter is we control very little, if anything. Uh, A friend of mine reminded me. You don't control your next heartbeat. You don't control your next breath. Frankly, you have trouble Mm. controlling yourself. And so it's really leading me to receive from God help in in my problem with trying to control other people. I mean, so many things Mm -hmm. are based on our identity in Christ. And the last one, chapter seven, I'm not defined by who I know. When I was in the Air Force, I had a chance to brief a, a lot of famous people, uh, including right. uh, Congress people in this country, um, general officers. I had a chance to travel to other countries and brief uh, secretaries mm-hmm. of defense and things like that. And and frankly, uh, it made me feel good uh, when they called me by yeah. my name. But the fact of the matter is none of them will remember me now. Uh, I remember them, right. but they won't remember me. And so I'm not defined by what other, um, by who I know. I'm defined by him mm-hmm. who knows me best. And so uh, back in uh, August of 2013, I ended up with some persuasion from another doctor uh, to travel to El Salvador to do what turned out to be my sixth medical missions trip there. And I was asked to uh, to preach. Uh, And I said, about what? I'm not a preacher. And she said to me, um, whatever the Lord leads you to preach on. And so I shared this story. I talked about these seven lessons and what it means to lose everything and yet have everything in Christ. That's the thing. The bottom line of the book, the last sentence is when we come to a place in our lives of realizing that all we have is Christ, Mm -hmm. then we know that Jesus is enough. And that's a powerful lesson. But anyway, I, I, 
I talked about this and, and then I was able to say, because there were many in the audience who did not know the Lord, I was able to say, so if you, if you uh, claim your value based on what you own, based on that sports car or whatever you have, or if you feel important mm -hmm. because of what you've done, if you feel uh, special because of your tragedies or your losses, if you feel important mm -hmm. because of what you think or what others think, mm -hmm. or if you feel golden because of uh, what you think you control or who you know, let me introduce you to someone who doesn't care about any of that. He just cares about you and his name is Jesus. And right after that, right. Uh, the Lord reminded me, this needs to be in a book. And and so that's how, that's how mm. the book came about. And it took seven years to finish the book and it was published in 2020. Wow. Okay. And who's your publisher? Um, I call, I call my publisher Firewall Press, but I'm self-published. I have a, a yeah. wonderful publishing company in town where they do all the publishing services. Mm -hmm. They're called Believer's Book okay. Service. Dave Sheets is his name. Okay, excellent. He was, yeah, I yeah. was introduced to him by Jerry White, uh, who I spoke about earlier. Okay. And Dave has done a magnificent mm -hmm. job. But another, yeah. uh, I will call her a friend. Uh, another person I've met at these conferences I've gone to is named Susan Neal. You know Susan, uh, the SEPA yeah. director and uh, CEO. Um, and she has also shown great interest in my writing. And uh, she has encouraged me to develop my website, uh, which is johnrabins.com. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I had a really fancy name mm -hmm. for my website defined by fire until somebody told me nobody's going to look that up. They know your name. And then I started looking at all the famous yes. authors like jerryjenkins.com. Okay. Uh, yeah. it's, <laughs> it's johngrisham.com. I figure I'll never be that important, most likely, but I might as well at least do the naming the same way because people know my name. Yeah. So yeah. it's johnrabins.com. Oh, I love that. Thanks. Excellent. Yeah, I, I'm glad you shared that story about going to the mission field in, in El Salvador. I just returned from the mission field in Guatemala. I traveled I with an organization. I'm, yeah, I'm on the board with called um, Submersion 14. And there are families that you work with that have so little. And it's it, it's really eye-opening and it made me turn the turn the eyes of my heart inward to to think how would my relationship with God be if I had if I was if everything was stripped away like that what would I be would I still be thankful would I still crave him uh, and and it just it just made me it just humbled me thinking, you know, we don't choose the time that we're born. We don't choose our race. We don't choose where we're born. We have no say in it, John. Um, just like you said, there's so little that we have control over. Mm -hmm. So many times, many times we come to these places, think we're going to help these people. But the thing about it is God does command us that, that those of us who, if you, if you're blessed, you're you're blessed to be a blessing to others. Mm, and I like that. what can we learn from from what can we learn from our fellow brothers and sisters who have who have life different? 
that, that was true of my trips yeah. to El Salvador as well. They, they, most of them had dirt floors in their houses. They had no running mm. water that they could drink. It had to be brought in. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but, but an interesting thing that I am discovering in all of this is that the God's economy is far different from ours. Um, some of the most joyous, yeah. grateful people I've ever known or ever mm -hmm. met are some of the yeah. poorest in terms of what we consider, mm -hmm. um, you know, in our country. Uh, even the poorest mm -hmm. in our country are not nearly as poor oftentimes as some of the people I dealt with in those those uh, mm -hmm. those countries. And um, yeah, and because they realize some of these people realize that all they have is Jesus, but he is enough. That's mm -hmm. the nature of the book. That's the whole yeah. message of the book. Right. It really is. Sometimes yeah. having too much can impede our reliance on him. He wants us to rely yes. on him. Yeah. That's so true. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of finances and resources, what's the best money you've ever spent as a writer? The best money, you know, the answer mm -hmm. to that. Mm -hmm. I don't. To, yeah, you do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, what I think every Christian author should do, and that's attend at least one, potentially more Christian writers conferences because oh, yes. my mind okay. was just opened <laughs> tremendously. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, I, I I went to the the Blue Lake conference in March of last year. It was a smaller, okay. more intimate kind of conference, but it was a really good mm -hmm. start for me, and then. Mm -hmm. uh, my friend Eva invited me to come to her conference uh, near Orlando last October, and I did that, and it was fantastic because she introduced me to some publishers yeah. who have shown some real interest in what I'm doing right now. And uh, I I'm, I'm kind of on a slow track. Uh -huh. You know, I've been offered several contracts, but I'm not ready to respond yet. I, I really want to see what my website does, and, and I've been told that they'll be there for me when I finally decide that what God is leading me to do with, with my writing. You had asked about, uh, yeah. you know, follow good... on book. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. No, go ahead. Okay. You, you had asked me about follow on writing. I, uh, I did a healing journey in uh, the summer of 2018. Um, it, it is something I think that's could be classified as mentally ill. I rode a bicycle across the country from Astoria, Oregon, 4,300 wow. miles to Yorktown, Virginia. And, and I did it mostly solo. Wow. Um, I did it, um, with, without taking hotels ex with a few exceptions, of course, but I camped along the way. I had everything with me in my pannier bags wow. uh, along, on the side of my bike and, was fantastic. And uh, I, I found that during that journey, God gave me, I think it was 16 very powerful devotions that I wrote. Um, and that became an ebook, which is available uh, now. Um, and it's called Spiritual Musings from the Saddle of a Bicycle. And that started me on a spiritual musings uh, journey of writing. Okay. Um, I've had mm -hmm. a, a miracle Bible. I have a miracle Bible. It was given to me by, by Nancy in 1980 when we started dating. We were married in 1981. I gave her an identical Bible. They were not very expensive. We promised each other when we could afford it, we uh -huh. would buy more expensive leather-bound Bibles. But that never happened because 
uh, I started writing in the margins of my Bible, just like many people do. Um, I wrote things that I heard from yes. the pulpit that's, that just stirred me, uh, things I heard in Sunday school, things that I felt were coming directly from the Lord in my quiet time with him. And I wrote those down. The very first thing I wrote in the Bible was from a woman who was in our first church in Albuquerque, New Mexico in the early 80s. And, uh, and she stood up one day and she said something that I've heard the likes of uh, since, but never quite the way she said it. And what she said was, sometimes the Lord calms the storm. More often, he lets the storm rage and calms his child. Now relax in the Lord. Wow. And I thought, how how cool is that? I want to remember that. And so I wrote it down and I've been writing stuff. So my I'm writing a series of spiritual musings. And this the, the one that I, I've got all cate categorized, um, but it, I have to get it published. I need to get it edited and laid out. But it's called Spiritual Musings from the Margins of a Bible. And I break it down by chapters, faith. I have a faith chapter um, you know, I have promises chapter, about 11 or 12 different chapters, but I'm going to need help on laying it out and getting it out there. Um, right now, and I may have mentioned this yeah. to you when I saw you in Florida, um, I'm doing a very difficult series of articles uh, called Spiritual Musings mm -hmm. from the Headlines of a Newspaper, because I see, uh, I subtitle it, mm -hmm. uh, A Spiritual Toolkit for Christians Navigating Cultural Lies. And I find myself very upset mm. when I think about the cultural lies that are affecting people uh, forever. Uh, the cultural lies of, yeah. for example, gender identification, um, sanctity of human life, um, mm -hmm. skin color. That's a big one. I, I personally don't understand why something so skin deep can be so divisive. You know, it, uh, I, I, mm -hmm. so I've written about that and um, uh, evolution mm -hmm. in Christian faith. Tell me more about that when you t tell me more about that when you talk about the skin color. Um, I should send you the article that I've written. I, I can do that. Uh, I'd be happy to do it. <laughs> but but again, I don't, I don't understand. I, <laughs> That's what... I do tell what, go ahead. No, I'm, I'm listening. Okay. Um, <laughs> I do, I do tell a story. Um, I've had three or four accountability partners that had very dark skin and I, I've never really noticed things mm -hmm. like that until now when it's the topic of virtually every conversation It's the topic of every commercial I see on TV, you know, these subliminal messages, um, I remember when I was in charge of uh, the the Phillips Laboratory um, as a military guy um, in, uh, let's see when this was. It was just before I went to get my, my PhD. Uh, actually, it was just before I went to optometry school um, in 1998. And uh, I remember getting an email uh from the base commander or someone in a, a position of authority and he said we want you as a boss to recognize your top black scientists hmm. and i didn't know what to think about that until three of my mm -hmm. very best scientists who happened to have very dark skin came in and they pounded their fists on the table and they said sir don't you dare nominate us for that if we can't compete on our own merits we are not interested and I learned something hmm. then, and, and I, I try to keep that in mind. We, we need to value people on, on what, what's inside, 
not what's outside, not mm-hmm. what I look like. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah. I, I'd be happy but, to say it's a double edged. Yeah. I'm sorry. It is a double edged sword, though. Some people, you're the people that you work with were fortunate. They were blessed. But some people are not even invited to the table. And I think that's what it is for people of color. They just want to seat at the table. They don't, I mean, personally, I've never benefited from affirmative action or anything like that. But um, they just want the, they want to seat at the table. It's, it's a blessing that you even had scientists that were of color, but there's, there, there have been so many organizations that have struggled to represent people of color that they haven't gotten an opportunity. So that's the other nope. side. I would argue that there are people of various colors that haven't had opportunity. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. think the color is so important. You know, you and I may disagree on this some, but I think we're yeah. probably way more in agreement than in disagreement. Yeah. But when you, when you live in, when you live in a, in, in a certain skin, there are certain things that you experience um, on different levels. And, but when you have really close, transparent, authentic relationships, with diverse people, you get to see that up close and personal. No doubt so about people it. Who, yeah. So people who live up close and personal with me, they understand and they get it. And I, I feel I'm at an advantage because I'm a, I'm a person who's mixed race. And so I'm comfortable with all people because I have uncles and aunts and cousins who look very much um, like the, the whole, like the UN. So I'm comfortable in various settings because I have grown up with people who look different and we've learned to love on people's hearts and not just to judge them on what we see, but to judge them on what's on the inside. And I'm grateful for that experience. So, yeah. yeah. And you're right. We probably agree on a lot more than, than we think we do. And, and that's truth with human well, beings. Uh, we have a I, lot more in common than we have. That's different. That's, that's true. I've heard you. I've heard you teach at these conferences, and I I loved your classes, even when you yeah. taught talked about uh, you know racial diversity. I enjoyed the class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was a fun one. It, that's a fun one to teach. Yeah, it really is. So now we're going to go on to a fun question. All right. And a lot of times, you know, non people think the nonfiction writers are not fun, but they are. Oh, they um, are. So what would you choose? Yes, they are. What would you choose as your mascot animal? And I want you to be able, and during this time, could you please share a little bit of your book? I, I would be happy to do that. Thanks for asking. Uh, my mascot has to be my, my dog, Obi, who is a Gordon setter. Um, and uh, he, is, he is unlike any other dog I've ever owned. Um, I will... Uh, I read a little bit about the story there where he was coming back from the vet uh, with with his mom, Nancy, um, at the time of the fires. And she was stopped by a, a police car. And uh, they said, you can't go up there. There's a fire. And she says, I've got a, mm-hmm. I've got other animals in the house. And so she uh, she found another way to get to the house. And she got in and she gathered most of our animals. But she called me. Uh, from the parking area, the the driveway, and she said, "Hey, there's a fire. I don't see it, but I need to, I need to uh, grab uh, uh, things. What what should I go uh, gather?" 
And it's kind of funny because mm -hmm. the year before was the big Waldo Canyon fire where 400 or so houses were burned to the ground. Oh, um, and we, right. we thought we should make a list and we did not make such a list. So we banged our heads together. We said, okay, grab the business and the personal computer, never mind the monitor. Uh, all, all the while realized mm -hmm. that we, we believed this was just a false alarm. We'd be coming back to the house. Um, I said, grab my yeah. watch. Fortunately, she grabbed my Bible. Okay, that could have been burned in a fire with all those notes in it. And then uh, just within the last yeah. two years, somebody stole my Bible out of my car, along with some other things. And uh, miraculously, oh, no. um, I got a call from someone in an apartment building who said, um, uh, I, I found this Bible with your name in it underneath a car in my apartment complex. Uh, would you like to get it? I said, yeah, and I took that as a <sighs> swift kick in the pants from God that you need to get on with the spiritual musings from this, from the margins of a Bible. <laughs> so anyway, uh, you know, we, oh, we banged wow. our heads together and, and I said to her, would you, would you go back in the house and grab my toiletry bag because I have to fly now to my dad's funeral tomorrow instead of just to help him come back from the hospital. And, <sighs> and she said, are you kidding oh, me? And my. I said, no, get out of there, you know, just get to safety. And of course, we lost everything. And um, you know, when you look at when you look at the devastation after a fire, it's, it's amazing. When you it, there's nothing like having everything you could possibly want one minute and then having nothing the next. I mean, that's sort of how it was. But you asked me to read, so I'm going to read my dedication mm -hmm. to the book, um, and I dedicated it yeah. to my dog Obi because he's been so special to me. Okay, so this is the dedication. From chapter two of this book, one morning I was doing my devotions and waiting for the Lord to speak to me. In the quiet of the moment, Obi, my Gordon Setter puppy, sneaked around from behind me and jumped on my lap. And by the way, we were now in a 400 square foot eco cabin. <laughs> People asked us, uh, where do you put all your stuff? I mean, you went from a huge house to this small cabin. I said, what stuff? You know, we had plenty of room. Okay, so he... <laughs> In the quiet of the moment, Obi, my Gordon Setter puppy, sneaked around from behind me and jumped on my lap. He laid his head on my shoulder against my mm -hmm. face and let me love on him for what seemed a long time. He wanted nothing more than to be next to mm -hmm. me. That was it. No expectations mm -hmm. other than to be close to his dad. He just wanted to be my kid. That's when God reminded me how that's exactly what he wants from me. That I just jump on his lap and into his mm -hmm. arms so that he might console, comfort, encourage, and love me. Wow, what a revelation about mm. the most important relationship in my life. The king of the universe wants to spend mm -hmm. time with me. As crazy as this may mm -hmm. seem, Defined by Fire is dedicated to Obi, who taught me better than any person or book could what God's unconditional love really looks like. Wow. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you. Oh, is Obi still alive? He is. Yeah. Oh, he thank is. goodness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. He just, oh, he, just had his, he just had his 11th birthday, so he's getting up there. Okay. Yeah, but he's still okay. sweet. Okay, good. Oh. Oh, so so now now that you have now that you have a few projects under your belt, what do you, what do you see as literary success? 
What does that look you know, like? I, to you? I was talking and I saw your your questions beforehand and I asked Nancy about that and she said, Well, what do you think it is? And uh-huh. I don't know. This may sound kind of corny, but to me, there's no greater than joy than for someone to email me or call me or see me in church and say, your book mm-hmm. changed my life. Thank you. That, that's yeah. just amazing. And so my oh, goal yeah. now is to use whatever means I have, uh, whether it be my website mm-hmm. or social media or some very strong friends who believe in me and what I'm writing uh, to get get the book out mm-hmm. there because I've seen it being used. It's been used in Bible studies across the state of Colorado in the last few years. And uh, I get nothing but positive feedback. Uh, uh, Several people from my church have Mm. uh, picked up some of the, some of the books. And one of them, one of these gentlemen sent Mm. a number of books to the survivors of the Maui fire to a church there who's distributing the books there. Um, Another one to the superior Mm -hmm. Colorado fire, which was a humongous fire. Uh, a year or two ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, we're, mm-hmm. we're, we're exploring ways to get more traction on the book. Yeah. And speaking of traction, what have you found the best way to market? Um, I'm, I'm hoping, well, again, it's, it's been very confusing to me, to be honest, since I'm a fairly new writer, mm-hmm. I haven't spent my life writing and, um, mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I've gotten a number of offers to publish my work, and I'm just not certain of which direction to go. And so I've politely declined mm-hmm. them and said, you yeah. know, can I, can I think about it a little bit? And um, the, there's one publisher that Eva really, really likes and has, um, has shared some very positive information about and said, I can't go wrong. They're a very professional group. And, mm-hmm. uh, but they were gracious. And when I said, I, I need to wait and well, I just, they reached out to me again, the owner of the the publishing company reached out to, to me again last Friday and said, Hey, we want to be part of what you're doing. Any, any progress. And I said, I'm, I'm really yeah. seeking the Lord right now. And uh, can I get back to you? She said, we're here for you whenever you're ready. So I, it's wow. exciting. And yet it's stress induced mm-hmm. sometimes. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, what about the, what about your, the, the novel, the, um, the book you wrote defined by fire? How did you market that book? Uh, I haven't really marketed it. Um, except it's on oh, Amazon and word of uh, mouth? No, uh, word okay. of mouth for sure. Yeah. I, I I've, I've sold more yeah. than the 500 that we are told typically get sold um, in a new book, you know, and that's yeah. it. So I know that wow. it's been somewhat mm-hmm. successful, but I want it to be more successful because I believe in the message. I think it's important. Right. Yeah. And there's always the option if you do get picked up by a new pub- publisher that they can do an anniversary version. They can re they can um, redo the cover and um, do a right. relaunch. Even, so there's always that has- option. Eva has talked to a number of publishers and said that, you know, John is willing to expand on the book to make it significantly Mm -hmm. different and better than it is now. And I know some publishers Mm -hmm. are thinking about it right now. I'm not in a hurry. You know, you have one of your questions here is uh, um, if you could write full time, would you? 
well, I'm at a point in my life uh-huh. where I'm, I'm retired from my second career, my optometry career. I could write full time, but I would choose not to because I have so many other things oh. that I am doing. You know, writing is important to me, okay. but I also uh, am revisiting mm-hmm. uh, uh, something that I love, and that's music. And I've played piano all my life. Um, I've taken lessons over the years, oh. um, and I'm taking lessons again from uh, a teacher uh, who lives nearby who had taught me in the past and we are really getting into theory now I am learning music like I'd never learned before the fact of the matter is I play I play I'm by so glad e- you said that you are you, oh no okay I I've um I well I was trained as a classical pianist but I lost all my music I, I had a traumatic brain injury after I had my last baby it's a long story I had to I had to um be retrained which is horrific because anyway, if you train classically and you've been playing all your life, it's horrific. Yeah. It's in, it was in there somewhere. And, um, I was good enough to play for my last church. I was, I played for gosh, about seven years. I was, um, at one point I was, I was even the lead pianist. Um, so, but I'm at the point now where I would love to, I would love to get a teacher, to show me how to, I want, I want to learn how to do more ad-libbing because I, I have everything. It's like everything I have to do. It has to be, has to be the um, sight read, you know, that's just to the just opposite be of able me to just because I play by ear ad-lib. and if I might say, so I play really well by ear and, and I can actually play. But you already have keys. that because I, you can, people have asked me, how yeah, do you do you, that? Cause you, um, yeah. yeah. How, how do you, you play do by that? ear? I, so you can, that I don't comes know how naturally. I do that. I do. Yeah. If I can hum a song, I can play it. Yeah. And occasionally, and I play at church too. And uh, our music leader, he often says, John, that, that's too high for the altos. Can you, can you lower it a little bit? And I can do that, you know, just because it's in here. But now I'm learning what you had in the past. Uh-huh. And I'm, I'm working on a piece that's much more difficult for me than anything I've done before. It's, it's a piece that my mom loved. It was her favorite piece. She played it all the time. It's called Claire de Lune by Claude Debussy. And, uh, oh, and I'm, oh, yeah. I'm really, I'm having a hard time. I, I'm, I'm really having yeah. to learn how to do things properly, how to practice properly. And, and based on, uh, so you're re- so now you're learning to read, read oh, sheet music. I, I, I'm learning to read better. Yeah, I've I've always learned, you know, okay. I, I've learned how to read, but I've never really learned correctly, uh-huh. you know, and, and the pieces I used to yeah. like to do were only the ones that I like to do, the, you know, the, some of the simpler Bach pieces, which I love. Um, I love yeah. Baroque music and that's what I like to play, but this is different. This is very different. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm, I just am mm. um, reading okay. a book that, uh, was recommended at the conference called Atomic Habits, and it's really changing the way I think about um, my identity uh, and how I practice. Mm-hmm. Instead of thinking about, I wow. want to get that piece down, I'm thinking, I want to be a pianist, and then that piece will come. Yeah. So it's, it's just a different way of approaching okay. things. Yeah. Oh, wow. So we have a lot in common. We do. I. You should come visit yeah. me and, and play on my piano. Oh, <laughs> I have how a beautiful... fun! <laughs> you had indicated you were you were going oh. to read my book. Uh, there's a picture of my piano. I lost a number of beautiful pianos in the fire, and uh, Nancy what? found me. Nancy found an auction. It was it was a, a where where the schools donate. Their, they sell their pianos to upgrade 
their piano mm-hmm. at the school. And so I ended up mm-hmm. getting just a beautiful um, medium-sized Bosendorf for Grand, which is, it's a special piano. It's made in Austria. They make 200 a year. It's got the most beautiful sound. I like it better than Steinway. Um, personally, I just love the sound of it. Yeah, I have a, I have a Steinway. Yeah, um, school pianos are the are great though. It's a hidden secret. You're right. They're wonderful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, this you was can't go wrong there. with a school piano. Yeah, this turned out mm-hmm. not to be a school piano. It was a studio piano, but uh, they were selling it in the same sale, and uh, just very fortunate to have it. It's wow. beautiful. Yeah. Wow. Well. John, I cannot believe we're at the end of our time already. This has been so much fun and I can't wait to have you back because it looks like you've got some other projects lined up and I, I know that you've got a bunch of books left to to write. Um, I'm really interested about the the one about um, musings from from where? The bike when you were the doing headlines. the bicycling? Oh, well, from the saddle of a bicycle. But the one I'm doing now is headlines of a newspaper. It's just these difficult, difficult headlines topics. from a newspaper. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I, so, I, so those all sound interesting. I can't wait to have you back. Thank you. I enjoyed being here. I love being around you and uh, getting to know you better. Yeah. So can you please share with our listeners how they can stay in touch with you? Do you have a newsletter? You have a website? I, I do. I have both. Um, and I hired the web designer that Susan Neal uses. She's wonderful. She's a young lady who lives in uh, Mississippi. Oh, yeah. Um, her name is Alyssa. And uh, okay. I'm so pleased with what she's doing for me. But we have a website, and it's called johnrabins.com, J-O-H-N-R-A-B-I-N-S.com. Mm-hmm. And if you scroll down just a little bit, uh, you can see uh, how you can sign up for an article that I wrote as a, an opt-in gift to my newsletter. It's entitled... Uh, Five Spiritual Directions in Moving from Tragedy to Victory. And it's a totally different way of looking at moving through tragedy to victory. It was something that mm-hmm. I really felt was divinely inspired. And so that will bless you just for signing up mm-hmm. for the newsletter. The newsletter mm-hmm. I call The Right Angle, W-R-I-T-E, Angle. Mm-hmm. I'm a former math teacher, so I get into I that. I like kind it. Of stuff. Yeah. And uh and I have uh, my first one went out in, in January. I'm thinking every month, but it may be every quarter. We'll just have to see. I want them. I don't want my newsletter to be like many newsletters that I look at and I say, I don't need any more of that. I want it to be relevant. I want people to be excited about getting it. So if I don't have that kind of uh, material, it's not going to go out. So you know when you get my newsletter, it's going to be meaningful to you. At least that's my hope. And so you can go to the archives tab. Thank you for the, doing on, that. <laughs> on the website and you'll get you'll be sent that one. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not terribly long, but I think it's power packed. Um, and uh, the new one is going to come out uh, probably the middle of this month. So I'm working on that now. Little baby steps, you okay. know. Okay, excellent. I, you know, I, I may never be steps. I may never be a Catherine Hutchinson Hayes. Um but I'm getting better. I'm getting better all the time. I'm learning from people <laughs> like you. Uh, uh, says the good doctor. A- anyway, he's got like all these degrees and accomplishments behind his belt. But um, yeah, I'm I'm grateful that you were here. It, it, it's an honor. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing where God is going to take your career. I know it's going to be climbing new heights. You could just tell. 
And so just so grateful to have you in this space, John. I'm looking forward to having you come back. Thank you. I, I look forward to being back. Yes. And listeners, please don't forget to continue to pierce through the darkness with the spoken and written word. Powered by Riverside. Okay.